Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Finishing the first week of the fast today. So hey, two more, two more of these, and it, we're going to chow down. Hallelujah. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, the purpose of this fast is not to look forward to the meal at the end as much as I talk like it is. I apologize. Uh, we're asking God for breakthrough. We're asking the Lord to let heaven open over this house for this nation and this region. And so I want to talk about that. A, a team of us, the, the team gets together back in the production room on Sunday morning and usually when Faith is leading, she'll say, hey, pastor, if you want to join us, you're welcome to. And I'll jump in there and it was already on my radar to do so. And uh, we got in there and Everything they were talking about just was in, in line with what I felt the Lord was saying this morning. Um, we want heaven to open. Our human skills are not, are not enough. They're not great enough. We're not insightful enough. We're not creative enough. We're not brilliant enough to produce what our heart longs for. The only thing that can give us what we long for is the outpouring of the spirit of the living God. And that's what we're asking God for. That's what this fast is for. And so I want to talk about that, that idea. Uh, I want to talk about an open heaven. I want to talk about how we get there. You know, when we're praying and fasting, we're asking God to pour out upon us. This church for the last 20 years has been about revival and the outpouring of the Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, we need another outpouring. I need another outpouring. I am desperate for a fresh touch from God. What I have is not enough. The gap between what, where we're at and what I feel like God wants to do through us is a gap only God can fill. And so we've got to cry out to God. But when we're crying out to heaven, there's really three components to that, if you will. There's contending with God, there's contending with the enemy, and there's contending with ourself. And all three of those are very important. And if you don't understand that, then you can get yourself sideways and blame God for what the enemy's doing and blame the enemy for what God's doing. And that's a very dangerous place to get. Because if you're blaming the wrong person, you're going, to take the inact you're going to take the wrong measures to solve the problem. And so, you can, you can put it this way. There's a prayer component because we're dealing with God. We're crying out to heaven. We're saying, God, pour out of your spirit. There's a, a spiritual warfare component because we're dealing with a very real devil. There are principalities and powers that fight the move of God, and they need to be contended with. Paul put it this way, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. He says we literally wrestle with these spiritual entities to displace them so that God can pour out upon us. You say, pastor, do they really need to be dealt with in order for God to pour out upon us? Well, Daniel went on a 21-day fast. 
And when the angel arrived, a little worse for the wear, he said, I, I left heaven the day you started fasting, but I was hindered by the prince of Persia. It's what the New Testament calls a principality, a prince over a geographic region, a municipality, that's the same idea, over a geographic region. And that particular spirit was over the geographic region of Persia. Matter of fact, the angel said, after I deal with you, I've got to move on and now I'm going to have to deal with the prince of Greece. So there was a spiritual warfare component to prayer. And if we don't understand that, sometimes we think we're trying to talk God into something he is very, very eager to do. But then there's also the human component. You can say there's a prayer component, there's a spiritual warfare component, and then there's a sanctification component. We have to deal with us. And sometimes the resistance in us is greater than the resistance in the second heaven. And make no mistake about it, the resistance in the second heaven uses the resistance in us as a handle to hold on to. And he uses that as his legal authority to resist the prayers of the saints. We've talked about this before, and usually, fact of the matter is, we talk about it this time of year during the 21-day fast, that we can actually cancel our prayers with our behavior. You are the first fruits of your own intercession. You are the beachhead of God's invasion. I saw a little meme the other day. It said, once you turn 40, you, either get out of, you have to get into smoking meat or really do a deep dive into World War II as a guy, okay? That's, I've done both. And if you look in World War II, if you remember the Allied forces trying to invade Europe. Again, Britain knew, the Americans knew, the Canadians knew, the Australians knew. This force, this, this, the Allied forces knew, we've got to get our feet on France. And if we can secure a beachhead in France, we can take Europe back from Hitler. They knew that to be the case. But they also knew it was going to be a very costly, bloody battle. That battle was known as D-Day. It was the greatest act of war, the greatest uh, battle in human history. The ships alone are mind-boggling. I, I, I forget how many ships, but the, the, the Germans who lived through that, they said as the fog lifted, they looked and the entire sea was full of warships. It was an amazing thing. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of our sons died on that shoreline. But they secured the beachhead. And everybody knew, everybody but Hitler, because he was crazy. Even the Roman generals knew the war is over. Now the bloodiest battles were yet to be fought. But they knew once the beachhead was secured, the war was over. What I'm telling you is your heart is the beachhead of God's invasion where we cry out to God, God, invade this region. Lord, we want to see revival. God says, it starts with you. Before I align the region with my will, I'm going to align you with my will. And so as we cry out to God, times of prayer and fasting, heightened 
prayer. Intercession is always a time of the deep dealings of God, where God begins to tweak our heart and say, I want to deal with this, and I want to deal with this. And to the extent that we surrender to the internal dealings of God is to the extent that we gain authority to see the external victory manifest. And so again, we are the beachhead of God's invasion. And I'm talking about our personal heart, our attitudes, our behavior, the things we do, the secrets of our heart. This is a time to lay ourselves out before the Lord. And if God can gain the access he so desires in us, it will begin to affect the region. I was teaching Wednesday night, and by the way, this is a shameless plug for Wednesday night. We're talking about fasting, because if you think prayer is a mystery, I'm talking about fasting. Every time I get into a fast, believe me, many times this week I have thought, what does foregoing a taco have to do with revival? But we need to understand fasting and that what we really talked about Wednesday night was that the human will is the avenue through which both heaven and hell travel. The human will is the opening from the spiritual realm into the earth. And God has delegated the earth to man. It's very clear in Psalm chapter 8 and it's reiterated in Hebrews chapter 2. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man you would visit in him. You made him a little lower than the angels and put everything under his feet. God delegated the earth to us. And God will not violate the system he himself set up. And so the principle of prayer is always this. Divine intervention only by human invitation. God must have an intercessor. He must have somebody inviting him to invade planet Earth. If he can't secure a human will, then the circumstances will not change. The enemy will always hide behind the unsurrendered recesses of your heart. And as long as there are things you're withholding from God, that is the ground upon which the enemy will firmly stand and take his stand, his authoritative stand, his legal stand to continue activity in the region, in your family, in our city, the region, this nation, and the world. So what God is looking for is a deeper surrender from all of us. So during this 21 days, we need to be availing our hearts to the Lord and laying it before the Lord and saying, God, go deeper. Lord, is there anything, like David prayed, he said, uh, if there be any uh, undetected sin within me, he asked, Lord, God, point it out. Lord, bring it to the surface because we want to be usable before the Lord. This contending with God This first element of God invading earth where we pray, the prayer component, addressing heaven, or you could say heaven, we we contend with heaven, we contend with hell, and we contend with earth, our own, um, us, who are made from the dust of the earth originally. This deal about contending with God, when we pray for revival, too often we think we're trying to talk God into something he doesn't want to do. 
We're down here like we're begging, God, please. And like finally, maybe after 21 days and we get too skinny and God's afraid we're going to die and it's going to misrepresent him, then he'll, he'll say, okay, uncle, uncle, I'll, I'll send revival. That's not how it works. God wants to move in this region more than we want him to. He's much more aware of what it means and he wants it much more than you and I do. He longs to pour out upon the sons of men. But what he needs is an open door in the human will. Your will is a fearsome thing. It is a weapon. It is a tool. It is a spiritual organ that you exercise either for heaven or hell. Your choices matter. Even your choices to go through the fast. Now, I know that some of you have very physical jobs. I don't have that, that excuse. But some of you have very physical jobs and you're not able to do a complete fast. And hey, you just follow Jesus. But what I am saying is follow Jesus. Don't allow the enemy to begin to lie to you and convince you that fasting and intercession don't matter. They do matter. If you look in that passage with Daniel, I want to say it's Daniel 9. When Daniel was praying, the resistance he was experiencing in his prayers was not from God. The day he started praying, an angel was released from heaven to go to Daniel and give him the revelation he needed. The resistance was from the enemy. And we need to understand that. God's hesitation in sending revival is not us talking him into something he doesn't want to do. However, God will withhold a move of his spirit from people who have disqualified themselves. How do we know if we've disqualified ourselves? Or how do we know if we've qualified I know that sounds almost like earning. I'm not talking about earning anything. I'm talking about removing the hindrances because God is too good a steward to pour out of his spirit on a people who will squander it, misuse it, and misrepresent his name. So how do we qualify? What disqualifies us? What would make God hesitant? Well, there's a few scriptures. We, of course, we get in the book and we ask God, God, what are the criteria for you to use us in a greater way? One of the primary criteria would be this. God opposes the proud. It's in James 4. God, or J, yeah, James 4. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It might be James 3. <laughs> but God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. To me, that is a frightening verse. Think about that. The God of heaven opposing you. Can you imagine? You're in the prayer closet and you realize that God is opposing you. Similar, similar to Balaam. Balaam's cursing his donkey, not realizing it's the hand of God that is behind What's going on? There's an angel of the Lord about ready to smote Balaam if he goes on. And the donkey was resisting. 
And I think often we're, we're blaming our circumstances when it's us God wants to deal with. We're saying, God, change my circumstances. And God says, in order to do that, I need to change you. We're praying for our boss to get fired so we'll have a better boss when God put that boss there to create in us the character. And I hope none of my staff is saying, amen. It, uh, God, is, God is doing a work in us so that we will be qualified to steward what he wants to send. And so we... During fasting and prayer, and this is true all the time, but especially during these heightened seasons where we're crying out. I tell you what, I don't want to go 21 days for nothing. I'm not interested in this kind of diet. Although I need one, I'm not interested in this kind of diet. There's better ones out there. I want to see a move of God. And in order to see it, we've got to allow the Lord to deal with our hearts we need to humble ourselves. One of the ways we know if we're humble is how do we respond to criticism? I called someone yesterday and apologized to them for something I did. I did it. I thought about it. I prayed about it. I did it. And I felt really bad about it for a week and a half. And I made a big mistake. I told my wife. So she kept on, have you called them yet? Have you called them yet? <laughs> no, I, it, I appreciate her doing that. So I, I got a hold of them yesterday and we talked it through and it was a great conversation. They were very gracious. But they held my feet to the fire. And they circled back around two or three times and explained to me why it bothered them what I did. It was very uncomfortable, but they were right. And it was a good opportunity for me just to humble myself and say, you're exactly right. I completely understand why that would have bothered you. I'm always kind of weary about telling these, leery about telling these kind of stories because you're all wondering, what in the heck did he do? <laughs> None you. <yeah. laughs> okay. So one of the good ways to know, are we walking in pride, is how do we respond to that? How do we respond when someone corrects us? Do we humble ourselves and say, thank you? To the hungry man, every bitter thing is sweet. But to the, the soul that is full, even the sweet things are thrown aside. Do people have to correct you on a silver platter with a linen napkin? Or can they bring it in a doggy dish? Are you hungry enough to say, God, I just want to be right with you. I don't need them to do it right to hear you through them. That's an act of humility. And humility comes with hunger. Years ago, there was a, a wonderful book written by a white journalist called Black Like Me. Some of you may remember this book. It's really a great book. And what he did is he went down, down in the deep south, went down to New Orleans, and he, if I remember right, he took some medication, also some makeup, and made himself look like a black man. And he lived on the streets of New Orleans because he wanted to experience it. He thought he understood what it would be like to be a black man 
in the deep south in that time of extreme racism. And it was very enlightening to him. But there was one thing that stood out in that book to me. He was, well, a lot of things, but this, I often think of this when I think of humility and hunger. There's this scene where he's sitting on the curb in New Orleans and he is hungry. He hasn't eaten in days. And he looks down the curb and there's another homeless guy cooking hot dogs on an open fire on the curb. And he scoots over and he said, hey man, you think you could spare a hot dog? And the guy looked at him, just despising him and said, yeah, I can give you one. If you get on all fours and bark like a dog. And the journalist did it. Because when you're really hungry, you're no longer prideful. Pride goes to the side. Decorum goes to the side. You're like, Jesus, I just have to have you. And God wants to deal with our hearts. I think one of the strengths of fasting is it, it pushes us to the limits. It pushes, we choose discomfort. Before, the enemy, the enemy believes about most of us, if not all of us, what he said about Job. God, if I touch them, they will back off. You just let me touch them. Let me just introduce a little discomfort, a little pain in their life. And if I can do that, you watch. They will deny you to your face just like the rest of them. But the Lord believes better about you than the enemy does. The Lord believes better about you than you do. And God is looking for men and women who will be the vindication of God himself before the enemy. The enemy believes that if we go into a little discomfort, Dan Muller had this, has this wonderful phrase, if you're touchy, you'll be touched. Fasting says, you know what? I'm just going to get it over with. I'm going to step into discomfort. I'm going to go into this and I'm going to deal with this stuff in my heart and I'm going I'm to I'm allow this into my life because I'm crying out to him. I'm going to deny the cries of my flesh and I'm going to allow those things to be dealt with. And there's something humbling about fasting. Now we can feel like a mighty man of God or a mighty woman of God until about day three. And then I'm like, I'm so weak. I'm such a wimp. And it's that thing of coming close to our weakness, knowing that God, without you, I can do nothing. I know that theologically. This week, I know that physically. And it's good for me. It's good for my flesh to feel that. But as we allow our flesh to be weakened, our spirit begins to ascend. There's a sensitivity that begins to manifest in our life. Our spirit man begins to be uh, heightened in its awareness. It's one of the beautiful things about seasons of fasting. And it's so worth it. So pride is one of the barriers we need to deal with in us. There's an interesting verse in Zechariah 7. It says, when they called, I would not listen because when I spoke, they would not hear. Think about that. This is God speaking. God said, when my people called, 
They got a deaf ear from me because when I tried to speak to them, they turned a deaf ear to me. So there is a connection between your yieldedness, your willingness to hear the hard things, your willingness to listen to the voice of God, to apply what he's saying. If you want prevailing prayer to manifest in your life, prevailing prayer, what it means is you, you begin to feel that you're gaining the upper hand in that thing. You're, you're beginning to feel like the, the victory's being won. I may not see it out there, but I'm telling you, I can feel it in here. There's something moving. But that only comes as we are dialed in and we become aligned with him. We must come into alignment to fulfill our assignment. It's like you've got to have, if you want your plumbing to work, you better have the pipes lined up. It's not good enough just to have some pipes under your sink if they're not lined up. And as God pours out, he's looking for us to be aligned with him so he can pour through us. And fasting is a way for God to begin to dial that in. But we've got to be a people that incline our ear. There's two phrases in scripture that are very interesting. They, inclining our ear and God coming near. When God comes near, it has the idea of God leaning down with his face towards us to listen closely. It's like an act of affection and attention. It's like a father or a mother who grabs their little child by the cheeks and wants them to know, you have my full attention. We say, God, come near. Well, when God finds a people that tune their ear to him, and say, Lord, speak, your servant listens. Lord, whatever you want, God, I am here, and I will be quick to obey. I'm telling you, that dynamic opens the heavens. You say, are you saying that we earn it? No, what I'm saying is the, the enemy will camp out on the undesurrendered areas of your life, and he will resist your prayers until you surrender. Our unsurrendered areas provide him with the legal ground. It's not about earning anything with God like, oh, they're my favorites because they, they, this guy did a water fast. This guy drink, didn't even drink water. And this guy over here just ate vegetables. But this one's my It's not about that. It's about being obedient to whatever the Lord tells you. If the Lord tells you chocolate chip cookies are off the agenda for the next 21 days, and that's all he asks of you, then go for it. You don't have to do anymore. Tell you what, last year I jumped in when Lou Engel was here and he was talking about that 40-day fast. We had just stopped our 21-day fast. And I thought, Lou, I love you, but I, I, I'm, I'm not in. <laughs> I, I'm still recovering for the last one. Well, then Dean Briggs came. And Dean's talking about the same fast. And Dean, Dean had an arrow right to my heart. I was wounded. I thought, I'm in. This is God. I want to tell you on the backside, it was not God. Okay? I jumped into a fast that was not God. And I could not do it. I physically could not do it. There was no grace on it. So just follow Jesus. But follow Jesus. All you have to do is what he says. But by all means, do what he says. Because your will matters. 
Your decisions as a believer in this region matter to heaven. And if God can find a small group of people who are surrendered and say, God, Lord, we're here. We are fully surrendered. Lord, if you need a landing place, you found it among us, weak little band of people. God, if he can find that, I'm telling you, he will land. So when we talk about praying for revival, it's not trying to talk God into something he doesn't want to do. Yes, there are scriptures that say, I will not hear you. I will resist you. But those verses have to do with our hot post, heart posture, not his unwillingness to pour out of his spirit. We have to cooperate. So your response, let's, let's go at it again. He said, when they cried out to me, I would not hear. Because when I, when they, when I spoke to them, they would not listen. So your willingness to hear the voice of God and to do what he says, to be a doer, to apply what he said in your life, God is looking to invite you in to breakthrough. God doesn't want you to stay in the same place. There are things every one of us right now are dealing with that we wish were over. And I'm telling you, the vast majority of them, it is God's will for them to be over. But you first have to get rid of the things he's dealing with to see that happen. And so we need to yield ourselves to him. Your willingness to listen has everything to do with prevailing prayer. You think, pastor, are you basing that on one verse? No. If you've been around here at any time at all, you've heard me quote this verse again and again and again. It's one of the primary verses of my life. Hebrews chapter 5. With loud cries and petitions, Jesus made his requests known to God. And his prayers were heard because of what? Because he was the son of God? Because he was the Messiah? Because he was God in the flesh? Because he was God's favorite? And he was. Was it any other? No. Because of his reverent submission. His submission to the dealings of God opened the heavens over him. So much so that on the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus could say this, king of darkness is coming, but he has nothing in me. Man, I feel the weight of that word. I think hell trembled because they knew it to be true. God wants to get us to the place where he has nothing, not God, but the enemy has nothing in you. When God has that, the beachhead has been secured. It's just a matter of time till the kingdom of darkness falls. Just like in World War II, they knew once the beachhead was taken, the war was over. Bloody battles to come, but I'm telling you, there's no way Hitler could hold back what was coming. And once God has a man or a woman, or more desirable, even a small company of people that have bound themselves to that request, say, God, come, come, Lord, pour out upon us. 
Lord, deal, ask of us anything. Deal with us deeply. Lord, we want to know if there's anything within us that is not pleasing to you, God, go after it. And when that happens, I'm telling you, it'll open up. Let me give you one more verse. Peter says this. He, he's talking about the same principle, but it's in the context of a marriage. You ladies ought to like this one. Husbands, treat your wife according to knowledge. And then he says, that your prayers may be heard. In other words, you can fervently cry out to God in the prayer meeting, sir, and cancel out what you cried out by how you treat your spouse. Because you are contradicting with your life what you say with your mouth. And actions speak louder than words. And the enemy knows it. You're not fooling the enemy. You may fool us, but you're not fooling the enemy. Now I'm saying, so we go low and we keep short accounts. And if we know we need to apologize to our spouse, we do it. We allow the Lord to deal with us. And that opens the heavens. He, he's implying that you want to have your prayers heard, sir? You want to have an open heaven of communication with heaven? Then treat your spouse right. And wives, it goes the same for you. I'm not so sure it's the same level. I really, really believe that. Because we're the leaders of the home. Now, some of you may not like that. Just tell them, I'm preaching the word. Talk to God about it. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? The husband is the head of the home. Now, if he's a smart head, you're leading together. But every organization needs someone that makes the final decision. And uh, a lot of guys preach that as, yeah, I'm the head of the home. No, that's a heavy responsibility. But you better occupy it. Because supernature hates a vacuum. And it will fill it for you if you don't. So we need to step in and lead with humility so that our prayers are heard. God wants to give us power in prayer. Your prayers can be powerful and can move mountains. But your heart posture towards others matter. Isaiah 58. The passage is often referred to as God's chosen fast because it says, this is the fast that I choose. It's a passage on fasting. Isaiah gets this word from the Lord. He delivers to Israel and he tells them, listen guys, God is frustrated because you're going on fasts, but you're doing it wrong. You're saying, God, move among us. Lord, we're fasting. Why aren't you moving? And the Lord says, is it only for a day? You think I've called you to humble yourself? That's a key phrase. Is it only for a day? He's saying, if your prayers don't change you, they won't change the situation. If your fasting doesn't change you, it will not change anything else. So fasting is not about just skipping meals. It's about availing ourselves to the dealings of God so that we come out the other side of this thing and we're a little more sanctified. We're a little more tender before heaven. If you look in Isaiah 58, he goes into this list of things and every one of them is about how we treat other people. He's saying, you want power this way? Then express love and mercy and kindness and tenderness this way. 
and the way you respond to those around you. Be the best employee in your company. Be the best neighbor on your block. Be a person of kindness and tenderness. And it'll give us prevailing prayer. It's throughout the word. And we often don't talk about this because we think, well, that sounds like works. But you can't argue with the word of God. And again, it's not about works. It's not we're earning the answer to our prayers. But it is us cleaning out the hindrances. And I'm telling you, the biggest opposition, when Daniel's praying, again, it wasn't opposition in heaven that was holding the answer back. It was opposition from the enemy. But I would dare say it was also opposition within Daniel's own heart. Because there were things that God was going after. He always does. He goes after the handles upon which the enemy holds to stand his ground. And if we can deal with them, if we can deal with the legal ground, then the heavens begin to open. I want to encourage you over the next two weeks, let's allow the Lord really to deal with us. Let's ask him, Lord, go deep. Lord, if there's anything in me that needs to be dealt with, Lord, put your light on it. Let's be tender before him. And understand, everything is weighed in the balances by your decision. Heaven and hell are always fixated on the human will because the human will tips the balance. Your decisions matter. The human will is the avenue through which both heaven and hell invade the earth. There is no neutral ground. You don't get to say, well, I don't want to surrender to God, but I'm not going to allow the kingdom of darkness. That line's already been drawn. Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. And believers can actually be dead weight behind which the enemy hides to take shots at others. And so we've got to be very aware of what the Lord's dealing with. I want to pray. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up here. I want to close with that song again, Let Heaven Come. And I want this to be a prayer this morning, okay? I want this to be a heart cry. And as they're coming, I want you to stand. I want to pray over you. I, I purposely stopped at 52 we got eight and a half minutes, minus 15 seconds. I want to pray over you. And I want you to be receptive to this prayer this morning, okay? Ask yourself, can you receive this prayer? Can you be a recipient of this prayer? Father, I ask that you would deal deeply with our hearts. Lord, we're, we're not wanting to be men and women who resist you. Lord, even those things that we have found our affections wrap around, and we found we love them, and sometimes those things even become addictions. They may not be evil in and of themselves, but they've taken too prominent a place in our life. Lord, we're asking, God, that you would shed a light on it. And Lord, we're asking for your... 
what God wants, but I want to want to. I want to want to, but I need his grace. Scripture says it's his good pleasure both to will and to do. His grace comes on you to give you the right desires and then the ability to fulfill it. Some of you, there's, there's a part of you that says, yeah, I, I can't say I really want him to go after those things. Are you willing to be made willing? Are you willing to open the door and say, God, please deal with me. I want to be a candidate for you to ride in on. I want you to do this in my life. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.